Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Nearly two years ago, February 14th, 2020, I published a podcast titled The Defining Event of Our Generation. And of course, that podcast uh, was was referencing the coronavirus pandemic, which was still in its infancy at that time. Uh, there were relatively few uh, cases that had been identified outside of China's borders. And yet, I, I saw at that point that the writing was on the wall. This was a virus that would spread and cause a significant amount of economic damage. Now, we can get into the all sorts of debates about all sorts of different issues regarding it. Um, but despite the fact that many people that doubt, doubted that that would be the fact, that it would be the defining event of our generation, uh, it's hard to argue that that it hasn't turned into just that. However, nearly a year before that, I published a different podcast titled uh, we will see the dollar devalued 50% in five years. And that's what I want to talk about today. A bit of a different prediction that I think is um, continuing to come true before our very, very eyes right now. Uh, it's something I referenced, something I called uh, the, the great devaluation. This idea that the, the U.S. dollar will undergo a, a rapid uh, devaluation uh, that that will be at, that will occur at, at a faster pace than than anything we've seen in the past um, decade or two. Something that would be reminiscent of the 1970s or worse. That we would see 50% inflation of the U.S. dollar over a five-year time span. And I want to revisit that today because I do believe that that five-year time span, which I I go back and check check the the episode. I, I'm not saying that that five years started in 2019. I say that there's going to be a, you know, in the next 10 years, there's going to be a five-year period where, where we see the dollar devalued pretty significantly. And and I want to, once again, go back to that again today and, and ask ourselves, are we in that devaluation right now? Are we in that great devaluation? You know, I think a bit of a misconception oftentimes here in the sound money space uh, on YouTube and Twitter and elsewhere is that a dollar collapse has to coincide with with a hyperinflationary event in the US dollar. And I don't think that's the case. Uh, One could argue that over the past uh, few hundred years, the dollar has collapsed and, and they wouldn't be wrong since since the dollar was created, it has collapsed in value. It's it's collapsed in value in the last hundred years, hundred and eight years since the uh, since the Federal Reserve was created. Uh, and and I think that that as we we head into a collapse from where the dollar is now or from where it was a year ago to a, to a much lower value, I think once again we have to remind ourselves that it doesn't have to be hyperinflationary. Now, hyperinflation is something I do discuss a lot on this podcast, and I think that it is a realistic and a possible outcome. There's a lot of economists that dismiss even the notion of hyperinflation in something like the global reserve currency. Uh, to which I would argue that the global reserve currency has not been propped up for as long as it has in the past. If you look at the pound, if you look at many of the other previous world 
uh, reserve currencies have not been propped up to the extent that the dollar has by monetary policy, by fiscal policy, uh, and even to some extent by uh, national defense, by projection of power abroad. Uh, the pound certainly had that to some extent, and, and other ones have as well, but I do not think to the same extent as, as the U.S. dollar. And so I do think that that hyperinflation is a real possibility. It's what I would maybe call a tail risk. It's it's not way out there, you know, point zero one percent probability, uh, maybe closer to ten percent. Something that we should prepare for because ten percent is still a pretty decent chance. Nonetheless, I do think that this fifty percent valuation is somewhat more relevant and and far far more likely. In fact, I, I'd very, I find it very unlikely that this doesn't occur. Now, the reason for that is multifaceted. Uh, first off, no one can deny that in, in the U.S. economy, we have an enormous amount of debt. And, and that's not unique to the U.S. economy. That's, that's the case for most developed co- economies around the world. Japan has a massive debt to GDP, as do most European countries. China is rising in debt, especially at the corporate level. Um, South Korea, um, ma- many other countries have a very high debt to GDP ratio. And, and by the way, I think that a similar event is going to play out in many of those countries as well. However, one thing that the dollar has working against it is that it is a world reserve currency. And, and what I mean by that is that the dollar has been afforded uh, a, a tailwind for its valuation and for its stability that, that has not been afforded to the, the yen or the yuan or the uh, pound or the euro or, or any of the other world reserve currencies, um, as, as long as the U.S. dollar has been the dominant world reserve currency. And, and, and what that means is that the U.S. dollar has further to fall, essentially, that as that world reserve currency status gets, gets slowly chipped away and then all at once yanked away from the U.S. dollar, then, then it has a much greater distance to fall. The U.S. dollar has benefited for, for from a vast amount of trade and and demand created by that trade around the world for many years now, for many decades now. It has um, benefited from a huge amount of investment inflow into uh, the U.S. economy and and its many many uh, wealthy corporations. It's benefited from a huge amount of of. Uh, currency reserves being held on the balance sheet of, of foreign banks as a safeguard mechanism to, to guard their currency against uh, de- you know destabilization or or even you know inflation um, falling significantly relative to other currencies. The U.S. dollar, more than any other currency around the world, has benefited from that. Of course, as we see the dollar move into an inflationary environment. That's no longer going to be the case. And as the U.S. Uh, as a country and and as a um, you know a defensive or offensive military power, um, as that power wanes, we'll continue to see other countries such as China, such as Russia, and others uh, begin to do trade in in their own currencies rather than the U.S. dollar. You'll see more yuan ruble trade. You'll see, and, and we have already. You'll see yuan in the yen. You'll see the ruble in the euro and, and many others as the U.S. dollar is, you know, slowly chipped away at in that sense. It has a long ways to fall. And certainly the inflation that we're seeing right now is not going to help it. Um, even if it is going to be the, you know, the cleanest shirt or if it's 
falling at the slowest rate relative to the euro or, or other major currencies, um, I, I still find it unlikely that 10 years from now that the US dollar is somehow going to be a higher percentage of foreign currency reserves or a higher uh, share of, of global trade being carried out in US dollars than it is right now. It's likely to be much, much, much less as we move into more of a, you know, a, a SDR based uh, um, global reserve currency system in the future. I do think that that's something that they, they be the IMF and the BIS uh, have been pushing for, for quite some time now. I think that the writing is on the wall and I think that will continue to be the case. And, 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 and I think essentially what we'll see is, is other major currencies become a greater share of that SDR and, and the US dollar will fall relative to that, which will only, you know, contribute more to this inflation. You know, the other aspect of this is the debt that we have that I started off this conversation by talking about. The debt that we have here in the United States is enormous. And it's something that has to be dealt with one way or another. It has to be dealt with in either a deflationary or an inflationary manner. Deflation, essentially amounts to default, default on mortgages, default on, on debt payments by corporations, by consumers, uh, potentially by the U.S. government, though that, that's maybe the least likely of them all since the U.S. government has a printing press. Uh, but, but certainly at the rest of the other levels of the economy, uh, it's, it's default. Now, we've seen time and time again that that is something that is simply unpalatable for, for the U.S. Uh, federal, federal Reserve and the, the U.S. federal government to accept. Uh, they're not going to accept a deflationary collapse, um, a deflationary decrease of this debt load on our economy. Uh, whenever we move in that direction, whether it's the Great Recession or many other instances before that and, and since then, uh, inevitably we see the U.S. government and the Federal Reserve step in to, to stop that from happening, whether it's bailouts, uh, whether it's, it's loan forgiveness, whether it's lower interest rates, or, you know, in some cases just shifting that debt from, from the private or corporate sector to, uh, the U.S. government debt or to the, to the Federal Reserve balance sheet. Which leads me to believe that it's going to be an inflationary way of dealing with that debt. That to deal with that debt load, which, which really hamstrings any significant economic growth that, that will, uh, will be, you know, sustained uh in order to i mean it's going to be hamstrung uh by by the massive amount of debt that we have if you inflate that away in theory if if you decrease it by 50% by by 80% whatever uh you now have a little bit more room to grow now the damage the damage that's done by that is is significant and can't really be ignored um nonetheless uh that's something that i believe is is something that the the Federal Reserve and, and the government is is looking to do, um, and 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 have been doing through the inflation that we're seeing right now, that if they can shift enough of that debt to the government balance sheet or the Federal Reserve balance sheet, if they can inflate away some of that debt, uh, the debt load on our economy is less, and, and it allows the U.S. economy to not languish in uh, a recession for an extended period of time. It allows us to avoid a deflationary collapse. Um, but the damage done by that inflation is, it can't be ignored. And the damage done by that inflation poses a significant risk of 
of, of higher inflation. Uh, for some of the reasons that I've already laid out here, you see those dollars coming back home because they're no longer being used in, in Forex reserves abroad. They're no longer being used for, for trade abroad uh, because of that inflation, uh, because, you know, the dollar loses the de facto world reserve currency status. Uh, the demand for, for U.S. Treasury bonds goes down um, for, for other investment products here in the United States stocks, corporate bonds, et cetera, goes down. Um, and, and then that's a real problem then at that point. And, and that leads to higher inflation. And that's kind of going back to what I said at the beginning, people sort of discount hyperinflation altogether. It's, it's not going to happen for the U.S. dollar. Uh, and, and, and I find issue with that. I think it's, it's a, it's a risk that we shouldn't discount. And there's a very real possibility that what we're seeing right now in terms of inflation does ultimately uh, develop into a much higher rate of inflation, possibly hyperinflation. Now, will that happen for sure? No. Like I said, maybe 10% chance, which is significant in my mind, but it's not a certainty by any means. Uh, when will it happen? Probably not 2022, maybe a couple more years before something like that would happen. In fact, you know, I think if anything, we'll see some of our government reported numbers come down to some extent for, for a couple different reasons An economic slowdown. I think the BLS is up to more of their shenanigans with, with their methodology. And I think that the methodology change that we'll see uh rollout in 2022 is going to uh, uh, really understate inflation to a greater extent. But I think that this 50% inflation, which, you know, 50% inflation over five, year, five years uh, comes out to something like between eight and 9% a year. I think it's something that we're in the midst of still right now. And I think that, you know, referencing a lot of my other podcasts, that once the Fed and the federal, uh, the, the federal government and the Federal Reserve um, get back in the gas in terms of stimu- stimulus of, of both the, the fiscal and monetary variety, then you get more inflation and, and, uh, inflation that even the BLS can't cover. Now, if we're using maybe a more accurate methodology, something closer to what, for example, John Williams from Shadow Stats uses, uh, we're, it's easy peasy. We're going to get this 50% inflation in, in, in less than five years, right? Uh, it might be cheating on my part if, if, uh, you know, four years from now I'm, I'm taking victory laps and saying, Hey, we, we had 60, 70% inflation. So you look at these, these shadow stat statistics. Um, I don't think shadow stat statistics are completely accurate. And, and I'll explain what I mean by that. Uh, they're using a, probably an incorrect methodology as well. It's not perfect. It's natural that methodologies should change over time from the 1970s to 80s, 90s, 2000s, because consumers change, economies change. That's natural. The problem that I've always had with, with the BLS is that it's always changing and, and essentially hiding inflation, right? So the point that I think, you know, when we look at those BLS, or, or sorry, the shadow stats, uh, charts showing inflation, uh, you know, mid double digits, whatever it is right now, we should take that not as saying that, hey, inflation is mid double digits right now or mid teens. Uh, instead, we should look at that and say, well, hey, how come the BLS and the methodology changes uh, through hedonic price adjustments and, and substitutions? Why has that so significantly underestimated and under, understated inflation over the past several decades? The, the true answer for inflation is somewhere in between. 
But I can tell you that the BLS continues to understate, and they will continue to understate it. And, and that's a bit of a handicap uh, on their part. If 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 I were to to run a bet against them here on this fifty percent in five years, they can mess around with their their statistics. And and certainly this inflation has to be manageable for the U.S. government if they're going to inflate away that much debt. If they're going to allow this inflation to run hot, which is something I think they want to do, you still have to manage it to some extent. Because once you once you're in double digits, once you're 20, 30, I mean, it gets out of hand really fast, even if we're a world reserve currency, because again, you know, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on this this video down below in the comment section. As always, though, uh, thank you to each and every one of you that have been supporting me along the way. Thank you to each and every one of you that, that have been with me since 2019 or since early 2020. Uh, I appreciate that, and, uh, and God bless.